Bigfoot and the Baby by Ann Gelder. Episode 1. Jackie Majeski's unborn daughter knew the world was ending. To Jackie, that much was clear. In her restless thrashing, Molly feared for the world. She grieved for it. Yet the sorrow radiating from her tiny heart occasionally, rarely, felt like joy. Hush, sweetheart, Jackie whispered, pushing her plate aside and laying both hands on her belly. It's almost time for Daddy's show. The Lions Club of Morton, California, was holding a fundraiser for blind children. As the fried chicken dinner wound down, men in yellow vests moved among the rows of tables, pouring coffee and offering slices of cherry pie. Jackie's husband, Kyle, swallowed his piece in three nervous gulps. Crumbs tumbled onto his uniform pants, which Jackie pointed out to him. Thanks, he whispered, brushing them off. It would have been awful, though not entirely uncharacteristic, if he'd done his gun safety demonstration covered in crumbs. The club president, Merritt Stokes, stepped up to the podium and thumped the microphone with his finger. Good evening, he said, his bushy eyebrows twitching happily. Thank you all for coming out tonight and for your generosity in supporting this important cause. Blind children throughout the greater Bakersfield area have new hope tonight because of you. Jackie could not fathom how people like Merritt functioned. How did they not think about the apocalypse all the time? If Jackie's pastor's calculations were correct, those blind children would never even grow up. It was now 1986, and the portents were unmistakable. There was war and famine and disease. A guy with a red mark on his head, lending him a powerful resemblance to the Antichrist, controlled Russia. Two weeks ago, the Challenger space shuttle had exploded, literally writing the end of days on the sky. Yet the Lions persisted in raising funds, even as God was about to wipe out everything. At least when the blind children got to heaven, Jackie told herself, they would all see. Now for the entertainment portion of the program, Merritt said. Kyle rose to stand beside him, a bit stiffly. His back wasn't what it used to be. Of course, Kyle Majeski needs no introduction. He's been a cop here in Morton for 15 years. He's my friend and your friend, too. He may not be the speediest thing on two legs. Here Merritt elbowed Kyle, who grinned down at his pot belly. But he's just about the funniest, so let's give him a big old round of applause. Jackie clapped with her hands above her head. She whispered, It's Daddy, sweetheart, to Molly, who was not soothed. Katie, their other daughter, pushed her potato salad around on her plate. Katie was nearly 15 and a punk. Punks did not applaud on general principle. Kyle wiped his hands on his uniform pants. He removed his gun from its holster and set it on his outstretched palm, like a turtle he'd found. He looked up at his audience and winked. Well, he said, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. So I went out and bought Nancy a little present. Subtly, Jackie began massaging her temples. She had hoped Kyle would not do his Ronald Reagan impression this evening. Why couldn't he just use his own voice when he did these demos? No amount of head ducks or lopsided smiles could turn her plump husband with his little boy lips into the craggy president. He probably thought Reagan was more interesting than he was and better, which, Jackie conceded, was true. But that was no reason to pretend that he was someone he was not. Kyle's imitation only reminded her of the differences between him and Reagan, who would be the first one taken to heaven in the rapture. About him, there could be no doubt. Katie mashed her potato salad into batter, leaning so far forward that Jackie could see the red roots of her hair. That mop, black and random, modeled on some scrawny singer, did not quite conceal her own reaction to her father's performance. Now I know what you're thinking, Kyle said, as Jackie shifted to rubbing the hinges of her jaw. It's like Nancy says to me. This gun safety stuff is so complicated. I'll never remember all those steps. But it boils down to one simple rule. Guns are always loaded. That's right. Even an unloaded gun is loaded. Head duck. Grin. 
I know that might not make any sense at first, but my first priority for Nancy is her safety. So I tell her, don't trust, verify. Now I'll unload it, Kyle said. He slid the clip from the Glock and held it up to the crowd. Goosebumps scampered down Jackie's back. It still happened whenever her husband demonstrated brisk competence with his weapon. Look at that sweet smile, she thought, those expectant blue eyes. He'd actually lost some of that spare tire he'd been carrying, possibly because the past months had been a little rocky for everybody. Last November, Jackie had found the Lord, and since then, a digital clock had been glowing in her mind like a gathering headache. As she had been reminding them on a daily basis, Kyle and Katie still had not accepted Jesus as their Savior. If the rapture came this minute, the Lord would be obliged to take Jackie and Molly with him to heaven and leave the other two behind to suffer. Help me at least get through to him, Lord, Jackie prayed silently. She knew that once Kyle was saved, Katie would follow. She loved her father too much to do otherwise. Kyle paused, gun in one hand, clip in the other. He must have felt Jackie's dark eyes pulling at him. The La Brea tar pits, he'd once called them, trying to say they were irresistible. He turned to her. If his face mirrored hers, then she looked terrified. Kyle nearly dropped the clip, but he snatched it away from gravity and laid it on the table. The crowd murmured. He shifted the gun from his left hand to his right in order to wipe the palm of his empty hand on his thigh. Then came the shot and Kyle's great yelp of pain. The audience gasped. With supreme delicacy, Kyle set the gun on the table, gritting his teeth. He turned on his left heel once, twice. His right foot flailed weirdly. Everyone okay, he said, and sat down on the floor. Benches overturned. Kyle was surrounded by lions. They proffered napkins, wadded-up vests, water, aspirin. Call an ambulance, someone shouted. Katie elbowed her way through the crowd as Jackie stood frozen at the picnic table with her hands over her ears. She knelt beside her dad, who now lay in a fetal position. The look on Katie's face, Jackie thought, was so beautiful. She couldn't hear what she and Kyle were saying to each other. Katie smiled. Katie had a great smile, even though her front teeth were slightly buck. Maybe there was no need to get her braces after all, Jackie thought, with a disproportionate sense of relief. Katie's smile was a surprise, like a little firework. By the time Jackie could move again, the ambulance had arrived and Kyle was sitting up. He hopped over to the gurney and scrambled onto it. The crowd clapped sporadically as he was wheeled out, and Kyle lifted his head, straining against the straps that held him down. Just like I told Nancy, he called out, a pale, giddy echo of Reagan. The gun is always loaded. There was still a bullet in the chamber. That's a lesson I bet you'll never forget. Katie climbed into the ambulance after him, shooting a glare at Jackie that took her breath away. Fumbling for the car keys, Jackie tried to stroke her belly. He's fine, sweetheart, she whispered to Molly as she raced to the parking lot. The ambulance dissolved into the Central Valley fog. Jackie tried to catch up with it, flooring the Reliance accelerator to little effect. Molly thrashed up a storm.